This time on the Rule Right Radio podcast with New York Mike. Joe Biden has been ridiculous. And the fact that he's been losing in the Supreme Court, they used to say how unpresidential Trump was. I never understood that. Never understood that. I mean, but that's rhetoric from the other side. So, okay, they say it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time listening and say, oh, he's presidential, he's presidential. But he was presidential. Everything he did was presidential. I never saw him being unpresidential. If anything was unbecoming the office of the person doing it, it was Nancy Pelosi. She was unspeaker of the House, standing behind the president, the State of the Union speech, at the end of the speech, ripping up the speech. That was unspeakerish. Trousers and motorcycle boots and a black leather jacket with his name on the back. He does a patriotic podcast called Roll Right Radio. His name is New York Mike and welcome to the show. This is Roll Right Radio. I'm New York Mike. Hi, I'm New York Mike and this is Roll Right Radio. So, today the Supreme Court came back <laughs> and said that the mandates against the public doesn't work. They gave the Biden administration a pass and said it's okay to mandate what the federal government is in control of. In other words, you can control federal agencies. They said healthcare agencies and things like that. I'm assuming it also means military, anything else that comes under the purview, clearly under the purview of the federal government. So we keep the state and private lives of Americans intact and safe from a fascist government. You know, when I say fascist, am I going overboard? Am I, no, I'm not. I'm really not. What we need to do is fight every day for the freedoms that, you know, no one gave us these freedoms. We're endowed by our creator. Yes, we are. There's a lot of things that we're endowed with as humans. But that doesn't mean we just go out there and say, well, we have it coming to us. No, that's not true. Well, you know, it's the air we breathe, the food we eat, everything else. We're endowed with those things by our creator, our God-given rights, our God-given ability to have three meals a day. But when God gives us the ability to have three meals a day and breathe clean air and, and drink clean water, it's up to us to perform, to do that. It's our duty to go out and make sure that we always have the ability to feed ourselves, to take care of ourselves. It's the same thing. We have the God-given right to be free. We have to protect that right, and we have to protect that right every day. It's about you wake up in the morning, you're feeding your family, going out and making sure you have a roof over your head. You've got protection from natural causes, the weather, from animals, from... I mean, these are things that we take it granted today. They didn't take it for granted back when we were settling this great country. The pioneers didn't take it for granted, that's for sure. When they got in those covered, I always think back to those days. I've heard other people talk about shows like Yellowstone and, and what was it, 1883. Man, watch those shows. I love the old Western movies, old John Wayne movies and movies like Red River that really give it, Comancheros, 
that you know they really give you a, a little bit of a sense of, of what it was. Nothing could put you in the place of those pioneers. But sometimes you got to think about it. What was done to get us to where we are? And why can't we step up? We don't have even a fraction of the challenges that they went through to get us to where we are today. And we shouldn't be complaining about it. Yeah, we got a job to do. We have work to do. Fight for our rights. Fight for our freedom. And be proud, not only that you are, are, are out there on the front lines, be proud of everybody around you that's doing it with you. And by the way, don't forget the Americans on the other side are exercising their rights too. And that's what makes the outcome so important. And when you get an outcome, it doesn't end. It never ends. The fight for freedom for what you believe in is ongoing. And that's why people say, oh, Mike, well, I thought you were going to be talking about bike issues and motorcycle stuff. And yes, I am. But it's the freedom that's at the foundation of everything we do. I want to get out there and ride my motorcycle the way I want to ride it. I fought for years with a Beta California to get veterans license plates, to keep the HOV lanes open to motorcyclists. You don't think that was under attack? I remember when they used to have a, a law that once a week you had to take a van to go to work. Yeah, it, it sounds crazy, right? But back in the 90s, there was that law, and, and we just went in and said, wait a minute, you're going to exempt motorcyclists. If you go to work every day in your motorcycle, why would you park your motorcycle to go to work in a van? It made sense, you know, and they said, I, I, don't get me wrong, didn't make sense to me, but I got what they were thinking. You drive every day in your car all by yourself, you go to work, you drive 15, 20 miles, whatever it is. Once a week, go in a van with five other people. But that was the California law. And we said, oh. so we went to the assembly and said, wait a minute, you got to exempt motorcycles. You know what? They didn't do it. And I got to tell you, we came up against the Sierra Club. Sierra Club comes up there and they're testifying against us in front of the California State Assembly. And they're giving all these reasons why even if you ride a motorcycle, you're not exempt from parking your motorcycle and jumping in a van. So you've got to fight for what you believe in every single day. And it is about motorcyclists. It's about motorcyclists as much as it's about everything else. We would fight against helmet laws, but, you know, they would still vote for that person running for office who agreed that the government should give us socialized medicine. And I'm, I'm saying to them, wait a minute, why would you want the government to pay for your medical bills? Because then they're going to tell you they have the right to tell you how to dress. If they're paying for all your medicine. And then it came up that they said, okay, if you've got proof of insurance, you could decide how you want to dress riding your motorcycle. Whether you want to wear a helmet or not wear a helmet. Yeah, it comes down to how to dress. And there were people that said, no, we're not going to take that. And I said, wait a minute, why not? That seems to be a reasonable request. It's kind of a, a compromise. It says, yes, you have the freedom, but you also have to let us know that we're not going to have to pay for your accident. Now, I want, yeah, total freedom. I don't want to have to have this. And but, you know, the other side, they have a say also. They're Americans also. I may not agree with them, 
But I have to agree that we all have the right, and that's where we meet in the middle sometimes. It makes sense. It seems to me there's always the ability to be reasonable. So I know there's going to be people screaming, oh, they caved in, oh, my God, it should have been six to three. If it wasn't six to three, the world's coming to an end. Well, let me tell you something. Just accept yes, okay? Accept that we got it. Except that there was somebody that's thinking, oh, okay, it is reasonable to say that the federal government does have control of, of federal government agencies. And if they want to say that, you know, you have a vax mandate, you have a, hey, the people working there can quit now when it comes to the military. I want the military leaders to stand up to the government and say, hey, hey, boss, hey, commander in chief, whoa, whoa, whoa. We can't afford to lose all these members if they don't get vaccinated. They don't want to get tested, whatever it is. You're hurting the military. Well, they're not doing it. So that's your military leadership. That's your flag officers in the Pentagon. That's who needs to step up and defend the members of our military. That's who we depend on. So we're going to fight it. We're going to live with it. But there's a lot of reasons to step up and to stand against General Miley. Certainly a Lloyd Austin. There's a lot of reasons. But let's not take a win at the Supreme Court. And we got that. There's no guarantees saying you're going to get that. Thank God we did. <laughs> I know. Anyway, I, I thought that was a pretty important day. Now, I got to tell you, I don't know if it's the Supreme Court's business. It doesn't seem to be because no one else is screaming about it. Breaking this filibuster basically boils down to the filibuster saying there's a 50-50 in the Senate, 50 R's and 50 D's. That's not quite true because Bernie Sanders is not a D. He's a, well, what is he? He's a, a socialist. Okay. A socialist. He's a, he's a communist. He knows he's a communist. You know, he caucuses with the Democrats, but he's a registered socialist. That's who he is. So it's not 50-50. That. To be technical, you know, I want to be correct, technically correct. And so I, I wanted to say that. But let me get back to my point. With the filibuster, there are certain laws that, you know, if you're going to pass them in the, in the Senate, you need 60 votes. And Biden is up there trying to break the filibuster and say, no, we want to get rid of that. I don't know if he's saying for everything or just for specific things. Now, this has gone on and on, up and back. Every time a different party has control of the White House, it seems that they want to change the filibuster law to accommodate them. And I know you've seen it all over the place, the Democrats yelling against it back when Bush was in office and the Republicans yelling against it. It just goes up and back, and it's politics in its ugliest form. But thank goodness Senator Cinema has said even though she agrees with the issues they want passed, which obviously I don't agree with here, quote-unquote, voters' rights bill, which is really a dilution of our elections. I'm not going to get into that, but the point is, she said, even though she agrees with that, she doesn't agree with breaking the filibuster. So for now, it seems like, because they would need all 50 votes plus the vice president to win that argument, and then... This Voting Rights Act would take a 51-50 
kind of a posture to win. And uh, that's not happening. Let's hope it doesn't happen. And if it does, and of course on the other side, you got Mitch McConnell and other people saying, well, if you do that, when we get in there, we're just going to use the same rule to throw in all our things. I'm sorry. I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, you know what? Maybe it's worth it because then we'll have the... No, it's not. Because the Republicans will not use it. They will not weaponize. I don't believe. I know Trump wants to do Trump's a tough guy. Trump's a fighter. We talked about that. Was he right about it from a political point of view? I don't think so. I think you need to get a clear win. You need to convince so many people on the other side that you're right. And that's to protect all of us. So we want to respect every American. It's going to be tough to get the Senate to agree to what the House of Representatives agreed to put out there. Nancy Pelosi got that voters' rights thing passed in the House today. It'll go to the Senate, and the Senate needs 60 votes to get it through. Thank God. If that changes, well, we'll be here. By the way, I, I want to tell you guys, I am headed to um, Florence, Arizona. It's just south of, I'll say, Phoenix. So I got a call today, and that's the Trump rally on Saturday night. And, you know, I wasn't going to go. I'm not the guy that travels to be there in rallies and do that stuff. But I got a call from my friend Chris Cox, who's the founder and the head of Bikers for Trump. I've known Chris a lot of years. Mostly, we agree, he's had me speaking at some of his events, and I appreciate that. And clearly, he does a good job. We don't always agree. Why do you always have to agree with each other? For crying out loud, I love my wife. I mean, I love Katrina. I, I really do. But do you think we don't argue about things? Of course we do. Do you think we don't disagree about things? Of course we do. But we come to a compromise. Usually, I totally cave in. <laughs> I totally, totally cave in. That's the way it is. So what's wrong with that? Why is it that every time somebody on, a, a, I don't know what they call the Democrat person. I'm not part of that club. But the Republican doesn't go along with the 100% he's a rhino or she's a rhino. It's like, come on, enough of that stuff. Let's just get together, stay together, and make sure that we get this win. But Chris Cox, getting back to where I was, Chris Cox called me and said he's going to be at the rally and he wants me to be there. He's invited me, and I'm going, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to go because it's close enough. It's important. I have friends who are going to be there. I can't decide whether to drive or ride. If I ride, I've got to leave Friday. That's tomorrow. I've got a lot going on. And I've got to leave tomorrow because I don't want to leave 6 o'clock in the morning, Saturday morning, it's cold. It could be nasty. I got to ride over those Laguna Mountains with all the winds. Yeah, I know. I probably would have done that a few years ago. And if I had a couple of buddies, Robert Patrick or one of the other guys. By the way, it's going to be Gilbert Ochoa's birthday on the 16th. When is that? Sunday. So if it was someone like that, and they said, hey, let's ride together. If Mark Navarre lived around here, he'd probably be nudging me. Come on, Mike, let's ride. And I would ride. But just go by myself. I want to be a little comfortable. <laughs> I, I want to be able to leave early in the morning. I don't want to go Friday, you know, stay over. 
and I want to be able to be on my phone going and coming back because there's going to be a lot to talk about. Maybe not as much going there, but when I get on the way back, I'm going to be on that phone calling friends and people and talking. I'm going to take notes. <laughs> so I'm excited about going to this Trump rally. Bikers for Trump, they've done a big job. You might not see them all the time. Some of the organizations, small organizations, and small doesn't mean just a couple. It could be a couple of hundred, a couple of thousand people. Bikers for Trump is thousands of motorcyclists. And again, I don't always agree with every bit of their agenda. We argue, and, but for the most part, I really respect what they've done. I think it's important right now to recognize Trump was wronged. I didn't say wrong. I said wronged from the very beginning. What happened to him, the coup that was staged by the Democrats and the FBI and the media to try to get him out. They're saying January 6th, J6 was a, some sort of a, a coup or something like that. It's a joke. It was a bunch of misdirected Trump enthusiasts who were listening to Antifa, egging them on, getting the, the Ray Epps of the world. You could see him on the video. Now, that's another issue. And I think it's an important issue. Who is Ray Epps? Really, who is Ray Epps? And I see all the left-wing comments on Twitter and every place else. Oh, yeah, he's, you know, they interviewed him and he said he, he wasn't a, an FBI activist or an informist or whatever else. He said he wasn't. See, he wasn't. How stupid do you think we are? First place, that the FBI agent that was testifying in Congress, she was asked by Senator Cruz, was Ray Epps an FBI whatever, informant, all she had to say was no. She's not giving anything away by saying no, but she'd be lying. So she couldn't say it. And she had to say, hey, I can't answer that. Well, if the answer is no, she can answer that. We're not stupid. If they wanted to say, hey, we don't know who this guy is. He doesn't work for us. He's not a confidential informant. No, just say no. It's simple. But she couldn't say no. And so what does that mean? When are we going to see this interview? There's so much else that this J6 committee is they're hiding. This is a committee that was for the sole purpose of indicting Trump as the reason that this breach of the Capitol and all the damage it did took place. There's no question about it. And why don't they just admit it? Okay, why don't they just say, yeah, yeah, you're right. And I think that it would do them good to do that. I think the American people would go, wow. And if they said to their own people, yeah, look, it was wrong. The people that damaged the Capitol building, the people that breached that building are going to be tried and pay the price. But they're not going to be tried for an insurrection. They're going to be tried for misdemeanors. Oh, Wait a minute. Oh, 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 let me back up. Isn't that exactly what's going on? There's not one person who's been tagged as an insurrection. It's not one. Every one of them, the ones that went to trial, and they're misdemeanors at the very worst. Breaking and entering. Yeah, well, that's appropriate. What they've done to these 
I don't, I don't want to call them victims, but they are victims. They broke into the Capitol. That's wrong. They breached the Capitol. Some of them damaged the Capitol. But for the most part, from what we see, a lot of them just kind of, hey, let's mosey in. Let's follow the crowd. The doors are open. The Capitol Police are, are, haven't established a perimeter to keep people out. Let's go. They just followed the crowd, walked inside, looked around. Wow, this is the Capitol. I mean, they came from all over the country. Some of them had never been to Washington before. They're in awe of the, you could see that. There were a handful of ringleaders, and certainly there were people that did damage. And so if this committee would say all that, and say, this was a transgression. This should never have happened. I, we all agree. There's no problem with that. But you're making this into something that was this big conspiracy plan to take over the country, to bring an end to democracy. This was Trump's doing. Come on. That's just wrong. Why not just say what it is? Speak the truth. Get the country together. We would all be on the same page. We could not argue that. But that's not what's going on. So what is going on? A couple of things are going on that's kind of interesting. By the way, well, we'll talk about motorcycle things later on. <laughs> but some of the things that are going on, we should look at. But they're basically saying that Joe Biden is a lame duck because he hasn't been able to get any of his agenda through. A lame duck because of some of the stupid comments that he's made. I mean, stupid. That last speech he gave, the speech about J6, my God, calling us traitors. He basically called half the country traitors. Come on. I mean, Mitch McConnell made a great speech about his speech, about Biden's speech. I thought McConnell did a great job. I'm not a big fan of Mitch McConnell. There are some things he's done very good. So Biden, by his own party, they're talking about Who's going to run in 2024? They're the ones that I, I said this in the other podcast, but then keeps on popping up every time I turn on the news, whether it's CNN or Fox or whoever, Epic Times. Everybody's talking about who the Democrats are going to get to run in 2024. I'm going, well, that's a long time down the road. That's kind of sort of what Kamala Harris said. But it's true. She needs to stand up. Well, of course I'm going to run. She should not be part of the, if she was a real VP who was confident in the job she's doing and that she wants to stay there. That's what she should be. She shouldn't be part of, you know, this conversation about who they get to run. But she made herself part of the conversation. But nonetheless, this is what they're saying. So now you take that and you couple it with all the, I mean, Joe Biden has been ridiculous. And the fact that he's been losing in the Supreme Court, they used to say how unpresidential Trump was. I never understood that. Never understood that. I mean, but that's rhetoric from the other side. So, okay, they say it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time listening and say, oh, he's presidential, he's presidential. But he was presidential. Everything he did was presidential. I never saw him being unpresidential. If anything was unbecoming the office of the person doing it, it was Nancy Pelosi. She was unspeaker of the House, standing behind the president, the State of the Union speech at the end of the speech, ripping up the speech. That was unspeakerish, clearly. But Joe Biden, 
he is the most unpresidential president I've ever seen. Much more unpresidential than Jimmy Carter. Yeah, I'm mentioning his name. Jimmy Carter was more presidential. And he wasn't really that presidential, but he wasn't that unpresidential. He was just weak. He just equivocated. Oh, what should I do about the hostages in Iran? Oh, my God. Oh, I don't know what to do. Oh, what should we do about the oil crisis? We have no gasoline. We're begging OPEC. What should we do about the energy? He had no idea. But he was a nice guy. He didn't do anything that I thought was smart. Did some stupid things, like I talk about with Yasser Arafat. Pretty bad stuff. But compared to Biden, Biden has made Carter look good. He has made Carter look absolutely presidential. Just the fact that the country could go around saying, you know, FJB, fuck Joe Biden, is terrible. But he he let the country to that point. It's like a joke. Let's go, Brandon. It's like a joke, but it's not a joke. It's not a good thing. But it's become accepted because the guy's a caricature of what a president should be. And now he's down to a 33% approval rate. Okay, that's poll numbers. And I'm not a fan of polls. But that's how people feel. So let me give you my two cents on all of this. It could turn around in a New York minute, literally. So let's not get all, oh, yeah, this is first place. We want a president that's doing the right thing. For America. So his agenda is different. But at some point, if he wakes up to the fact that he needs to stop kowtowing and just being a puppet of the total left wing, he's been the puppet of the left wing. AOC is running this country. It's AOC. And if he wakes up and says, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore, I think that'd be great. And if it made him a little more popular, I think that'd be great. And then if he stood up to Russia, stood up to China, Stood up to Iran for crying out loud. Iran attacked our bases. What was it, yesterday? That'd be good for America. It would be good for Joe Biden, and that's good. And if his approval ratings went up, and it could happen, we might be able to convince this guy, you've got to do what's right for America. That's what we should be doing. We want the best for the country. And if that works for Joe Biden, so be it. So I don't think we should be celebrating the fact that people are going around and saying, let's go, Brandon. I don't think we should be celebrating this 33% approval rating. I don't think we should be joining in with the Democrats. It's their problem. They've got to figure out what they're going to do in 2024. I want to figure out how we're going to get there. What's going to happen to the country between now and then? And so when I say, how do we replace Biden-Harris. It's not because I'm partisan. It's because I don't want to wait to 2024 if this is going to keep up. We can't afford it as a country. I want him to be a better president. I want Kamala Harris to be a better vice president. And if they can't be, I want to replace them. Not in 2024. We need to do what's the best for America. It's America first. It was under Trump, and it should be today, and it should be 
forever going forward. America first. That's our country. So, with that, McConnell and Graham, okay, so Senator Graham is saying that if McConnell doesn't mend fences with Donald Trump, he's not going to back McConnell for the leadership of the Senate when we get Congress back. And they're saying, so here's the press. Now, I heard this on an interview with Lindsey Graham, Senator Graham, on Fox. And so they're questioning him. Operating in a fishbowl is really hard because here's Graham that has to defend what he said. He shouldn't have to. His comment to McConnell is saying, hey, look, Mitch, we're friends. I like you. We agree on a lot of stuff. But the fact is, President Trump is the leader of the Republican Party. And when we get the House back, President Trump is still going to be the leader of the Republican Party, whether you like that or not. And your job is to mend your fences and get along with them. That doesn't mean that you have to agree on everything. It doesn't mean that. You know, what we don't agree about. If my staff, when I owned San Diego Harley-Davidson, and I didn't agree on something, you don't go out in the middle of the floor with customers around and argue. I'm not going to berate my sales manager, my GM, or anybody else on the floor of the dealership when customers, or even if I don't see them, they may be back in the parts department or the motor clothes. We're not going to air our dirty laundry. Where have I heard that before? You know, that's just common sense. And Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham and every other politician, they just don't seem to have the luxury of living in that kind of world. They're in a bubble. They're in a fishbowl. Everybody sees and hears everything they're doing. It's all out there. And everybody says, oh, my God, Lindsey Graham threatened Mitch McConnell. He didn't threaten them. He just says, hey, look, man, you know, Mitch, you got to get along with Donald Trump. Mend your fences, fix it. Figure out what you disagree on, what you agree on. Try to come to agreement on more of the things you disagree on and come to an agreement. Just get closer. Respect each other. Even if you harbor, you know, negative feelings, this is what leadership is about. And I don't think Lindsey Graham is asking too much of Mitch McConnell. Not because Mitch McConnell isn't my favorite leader. Mitch has done some really cool things. I think he's done some things I don't like. But, you know, he's the guy. He's there. And I think Lindsey Graham is probably saying to Donald Trump, who's a much stronger leader than a Mitch McConnell, he's probably saying it in a secret way not to be in that fishbowl. There's not a good way to argue with Donald Trump. And he's probably saying to Trump, hey, come on. As long as Mitch is there, he's the guy. And he is doing some good things. And let's sit down. Let's work this out together. But this is all in that media fishbowl 
that we all seem to have to live through right now or live with right now. So that's where we are with that. Short and sweet today, some people like that. <laughs> it's going to be short and sweet today because now that I just found out that I'm, I'm headed to Arizona on Saturday, uh, I got a lot to do to make some changes, alter some of my other plans, etc. But anyway, so I'm going to the rally, of course. Chris Cox, Bikers for Trump is going to be there. There's going to be a lot of motorcyclists there. And I want to talk to them about rolling to remember. It's really important. These are bikers who are definitely engaged. And rolling to remember Memorial Day, this year more than ever, we really want to show up. We want to let this administration know, let the White House, let the Congress, let everybody know how much we love and care about those who serve this country. We want to make sure that no one, no one is forgotten. No American is left behind. And now more than ever, after the debacle in Afghanistan, where we left behind, could be thousands of Americans. At first they said it was 100, then they said 450. Other people tell me there's a lot more than that. And, and we want to make sure. This event in Memorial Day, you know, the first Memorial Day we rode down there was 1983. And every year we built and built and built. We've had as many as over a million bikes. And that was in 2019. Yeah, over a million bikes in 2019. And then COVID hit. We want to you know, rebuild this. It's a demonstration to make sure that the POWs and MIAs are not forgotten or never forgotten. We never leave Americans behind. And now, after August 31st, 2021, we've left behind too many Americans. One would be too many. But we left behind what could be hundreds, maybe a thousand, maybe more. We don't even know. We don't even have a government that's capable of giving us a real accounting. It's just wrong. And we left behind thousands, 40, 50, maybe 60,000 Afghans whose lives are threatened, not just threatened, not just with their lives being threatened. They're being threatened with torture. I mean, their lives are being ruined. Their families are being ruined. Why? Because they helped Americans. Not just as translators, but in all ways. We talked about this the other day. I don't want to beat this to death right now. We're not going to just turn around and forget about it. But I just want everybody to know how important it is to talk to your fellow bikers. I'm going to be going to Florence, Arizona for the rally to be with Chris Cox and the Bikers for Trump. And I'm going to be talking about rolling to remember. And then, believe it or not, Daytona is coming up. That's right. February is around the corner. The end of February, first week of March, boom, here's Bike Week in Daytona. It's just a little over a month. Maybe, what, six weeks away is Bike Week. With a half a million bikers, that's going to be a Bike Week. And I'm going to try to get there and do everything I can to once again promote Rolling to Remember as much as I can. And for everybody to appreciate what the AMVETs have done and what they're doing. And let's get out there and support them. It's really big. So with that, I'm going to bring this to a close. Hey, I, before I close it, let's compare those who don't like Trump or didn't like Trump to those of us who don't like Biden. Let's include Pence 
and Harris in that, just for a minute before we close this out, because I was thinking about that earlier today, and I, I did write that down, and I want to I want to get to it for a minute and talk about the ones who don't like Trump. The way I've never heard Trump. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. You guys can comment. You often do, and I appreciate that. By the way, if I make a mistake, fact check the hell out of me. But I don't remember Trump using the kind of rhetoric that Biden uses about Trump and those of us who support Trump. By the way, it's not just Biden. You hear it from all of these top-level Democrats. They talk about us as if we're either idiots or traitors or racists. Racist, 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 racist. They don't stop. I mean, I talk about people on the other side. I, I privately maybe use language. <laughs> That's, but it's not, I would never say, you know, and, and I don't think I've heard anybody on, on our side, certainly not even a Tucker Carlson, calling people any names just because of who they voted for or because they're a Democrat. I don't like their politics. Now, I'll call commies out for being communist, but I don't call them the names. I don't call them deplorables. I, I, you know, it's just not what we do. And I think that the people on the other side need to learn something from that. How are we going to get together in this country if we keep on calling each other names, if we keep on blaming each other for everything that's wrong. Yeah, I do believe that the left wing is wrong. But just because somebody voted for Biden, for whatever reason they voted for Biden, at this point, hopefully they're looking at what's going on. Hopefully they're looking at what happened in Afghanistan, looking at the inflation, looking at the border, looking at all these things, saying, okay, I was wrong. Maybe they could also look at communism versus capitalism. And say, wait a minute, I know capitalism has issues. Everything does. But it's fixable. Communism is not. Once you give all that power to the government, once you go, okay, I don't want to make that argument. I just, the argument I want to make is that if you want to bring the country together, and if you, as an American, and me, as an American, who disagree, know that it's more important that the country be together, so that we can face these issues as one nation under God, if we agree on that. And I think most of us do. Most of us. Some of you are going to be out there saying, oh, there you go with your God thing again. I know. <laughs> it's always something. But we do need to agree. We need to come together. And that means we can disagree without being disagreeable. So let's try it. I don't think it, it would be, I don't want to use the word fair, I don't think it would be appropriate to throw rocks at us and say, well, you guys said it about us. I, I really don't think so. But it's clear what you've done to Donald Trump and his supporters, and that is me and about 75 million other Americans, okay? So I'm not going to call you names. Stop calling me names. Let's get together and find a way to get past where we are right now. Nobody in their right minds can think that America's in good shape 
with Joe Biden as president and Kamala Harris in the wings, right behind them as vice president. Or with Nancy Pelosi, for crying out loud. Or with, okay, I'm not going to go on because then you're going to call me a partisan hack. I'm partisan. I ain't no hack. <laughs> All right, but I'm New York Mike. This is Roll Right Radio. We'll be, listen, I don't know if we're going to be coming to you from the rally, right after the rally. I'm excited about being there, and I hope you're excited about hearing about it. And uh, the next podcast, Roll Right Radio, coming up. I'm New York Mike, and I am out of here. Thanks for listening to the Roll Right Radio podcast. Listen, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.